This episode is part of Padded Cell Podcast's 10-day event celebrating the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia and Mental Health Awareness Month across Africa. Hello, I am Baharushwa, here for Padded Cell Podcast today. I am here joined with my lovely friend Zalila Sanawak. Uh, she will introduce herself and then her affiliation to House of Grammarie, to the organization that we work with, and who she is in general. Zali, the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, yes, as Baru said, my name is Zali Lazanawak. I'm a writer, poet, and performance artist. Um, I'm also one of the co-founders of House of Grammarie. I'm based in the UK, and um, I was born in Ethiopia. And yeah, looking forward to having this conversation around mental health. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> okay, so you did say like, well, you are working with House of Carmine, and then that is uh, Ethiopian Focus LGBT group, I assume. Yes. So I assume, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> so like, but maybe like, should we uh, kind of establish a context of how things are and then what kind of law we have in the country, maybe? Uh, I mean, just the context of it, yeah, like, in terms of... Oh, like, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Well, having same-sex relationships um, in Ethiopia is punishable by law, so it's up to 15-year jail sentence, um, according to the criminal code in Ethiopia. So... It, you know, something that's not given legal protection in terms of like, you know, the LGBTQ people living there don't have legal protected rights, but also it's far wider in terms of the societal views around same-sex relationships um, and being LGBTQ. So yeah, it's coming at it from all sections really. Um, and that's going to have a massive impact in terms of the most marginalized group gaining access to healthcare, uh, including physical and mental health. So, yeah. Okay, okay. So, like, I mean, like, well, just because you touched on that, and then I'm happy, like, well, I'm genuinely, like, like, happy that you made the connection between the health, because that's we really going to be discussing about mental health today specifically. What is the sort of support that House of Crime Idea aspires to provide in terms of, you know, mental health support? Like, it can be, like, you know, having just, like, you know, a conversation uh, offline or, like, you're just, like, talking about it, like, you know, on IG Live or Instagram Live or, like, Facebook or referring yeah. people to so-and-so. But, yes, the health plan is not inclusive uh, for the mm-hmm. physical and both physical and mental health uh, national policy. Um, but what are the kind of requests that, you know, like, you we get on House of Power yeah. and then like you personally as well, like, you know, what kind of supports that people ask. Absolutely, yeah, no, exactly what you've touched on there. So while it's not inclusive in terms of policy for mental health, we do get people that reach out to us all the time. So we do get messages from individuals who are struggling with their mental health and just their own lived experiences really, just wanting that, you know, validation and to be heard and to just have that space. And so really the work that we're doing in terms of yeah there is the side of you know we want to get policymakers on side and all of that but then it's about visibility and creating a platform that people can share their experiences um they can be authentic and open about you know their mental health struggles um we have instagram you know live feeds as you touched on so uh, where we discuss all sorts of topics, whatever people want to bring up, but also our own experiences in terms, you know, of mental health, 
So I think, yeah, having the social media platform has been really crucial in that aspect, you know, to give people that space to discuss these issues, you know, any issues that they're experiencing, any feelings that they have, whereby they wouldn't have that really, because, you know, there isn't an official, you know, mental health line they can call or anything like that. I mean, I know we have been talking as an organisation in terms of expanding on that, like what can we do in terms of utilising social media and apps and things like that to provide yeah. that service to people because we, we're fully aware that we're not qualified psychiatrists or, yeah. or anything like that so it's kind of that balance of at the moment where we are only able to talk from our own lived experiences and share mm-hmm. from that point of view and give people the space to explore those ideas with us i mean well, i think that's a good point as well like for example for me like mm-hmm. seeing people open up about like you know mental health and then yeah. people like talking about like their, their therapy sessions and then like well them going to therapy and things like that the kind of you know that like, gives me hope because i used to think growing mm. up because uh you know this already but like you know for the listeners maybe like yeah. uh, i was diagnosed with you know the like, chronic depression when i was like you know, 15 16 and then i was not in a good space you know growing up and then like i yeah so like i had you know my moments just like you know where i kind of flirted was like suicide attempts and things but like you know through the years I was yeah. okay enough to talk about those experiences without like not actually having to be ashamed of it because right. I was ashamed. I felt ashamed, not that I was ashamed, I don't think, but like I felt ashamed because I thought I was a failure uh, because like I, I was not strong enough, you know, like I'm not man enough, I'm not, you know, <laughs> built for this life kind of, you know, I was doubting myself a lot. And then like hearing people from all over walks of life, like, not just Ethiopia, but like from different aspects mm. of life talk about mental health and then how important it is and then you know uh, anyone of us can have that breaking point as a human like that was kind of reassuring what was I don't know what is your uh, intake or like what was your experience like I mean yeah to touch on that point about you know the the fear or the shame and all of those things that's something very much universally experienced in terms of how we approach mental health I mean we are getting better at talking about these things but it's in terms of what support the access have you had access to therapy have you had a chance to have medication whatever help you know has been available have you been able to utilize that and then get into a space where you're able to explore those things and talk about them openly and it is tough I think there's that extra layer um, and this is where the intersectionality comes in in terms of mental health and men, you know, there is this idea that men have to be portrayed yeah. in a certain way. They have to be strong. They have to, you know, they can't experience these things. And you add all of that pressure on and it just makes mental health even more of a taboo. And then you add in the layer of being black. And in black communities, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being stoic and strong and, and strength. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when people do talk about mental health issues and they are from you know any one of these communities it's even harder because you're also not just battling the stuff you've internalized but it's kind of what society and the communities around you feel around mental health um so yeah it's definitely really hard in that aspect um in terms for myself i suffered from depression and anxiety my like last year of university when i acknowledged it as that i mean i had a lot of behavioural problems when I was at school just due to you know my upbringing and Mm -hmm. just yeah things around that really but yeah it was really in my last year of university where I like got into a really bad spell and that's when I started writing and writing was just 
a massive outlet for me because it just mm-hmm. felt like you know words could leave my brain and they could just live on the page and it was like mm-hmm. ah, like that's one way I could like de scatter things that were mm-hmm. you know clouding up my mind. But I tried therapy and I had pretty bad experiences initially. Like I'd have, you'd have two extremes of it. So I'd see a uh-huh. consultant that would say, well. I actually had one woman say this to me. She's like, I'm not going to give you these smarty pills to make everything go away. Like, oh. she's proper anti-medication. And I was just like, oh, okay, I just want to actually just talk about options. Like, yeah. you know, like, just discuss yeah. options. And then I had the other side of it as well, where they just they didn't want to give me enough pills. It was just like, oh, we'll just write your prescription. It was like, no, I just want somebody to uh. take the time to talk mm. to me about what I need instead of, treating me like I'm on a conveyor belt and there is that issue here and I'm sure it's other countries experience it as well where mental health just isn't prioritized in the same way physical health is and it's mm-hmm. you know in our healthcare system it's at its brink really and people trying to seek help for mental health will have to wait weeks weeks mm-hmm. on time but you know by that time that might be too late for somebody um because they're already you know going through the motions and they need help like you know like right now like i need that help but so yeah therapy all of that didn't really work out for me until i kind of got to my mid-20s and i was put in touch with a really amazing therapist locally we connected just straight away i mean she she had an ma in gender studies and she was gay herself Funnily enough, I travelled to Ethiopia and I was like, out of all the places, like, <laughs> I've just happened upon this amazing woman. And yeah. honestly, she just, she was the first person in terms of the therapist I had. Because I've tried, I've tried cognitive behavioural therapy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's great in terms of helping you for the day-to-day if you're mm-hmm. struggling with things like in the present. But what I needed was somebody from a psycho you know, psychoanalysis, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. somebody that could let me go far back into things mm-hmm. that I've not explored because I had gaps in my childhood and things that I'd repressed. So she gave me that chance, really, to, and space to sit and to come to conclusions myself. And it's hard work. And therapy, I think, going into you kind of thing like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Or you have these kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's like the work you have to do for it. And Yeah, exactly. It's not actually a therapist that's going to give you all these magical answers. And it's like nothing. No, I go no. for like two years and yeah. you know every time she was helping me to unpeel layers of myself that so I was yep. doing that work that she was guiding through but because Definitely. of the way she's asked you know mm-hmm. guiding questions so mm-hmm. and it's doing having access to that that really changed my whole mm-hmm. mindset around mental yeah. health and you know I'm big advocate for self-healing as well there's like so many great people out on Instagram who are you know, doctors, therapists that are sharing their skills in accessible ways and yeah. life and you know, all of that continues to underpin like mm. going forward how I, you know, approach mental health. But mm. it's not linear. I think that's the thing. Oh that's definitely. Like it's like it's like boom, I'm healed, done. It's like oh, oh, God, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I remember the last conversation that I had like, you know, with the host from Padded Cell, like Anthony. Uh, so one of the things that he asked me is like, about, like, we talked about the depression that I was going through and then mm. he was asking me about like, you know, coping up mechanisms and I, I said, I was like, well, these are the things that works for me, but like, you know, it might not work for other people, but like, these are the things that I do. And then one of the things that I mentioned was that I was like, you do not cure yourself 
of depression like that doesn't work that way it's something that you live with it's just like yeah. you learn to control it you learn not to take it over like your life every day today at least you know you'll find a balance of some sort to keep you going because you talked about uh the therapist would help you to unpeel or and then see the things that yeah. you kind of uh because like i am very good at numbing pain because i don't want to deal with them right away because i have so yeah. many things that i'm working through and they're like you no know, on day-to-day -day life of course you know like as long as you're living breathing and then communicating with people you're adding up again so i was like there are things that i genuinely discard like knowingly discard not to engage with them i mean and that's I the thing it's the association almost it's like a self-preservation yeah. of you know it, uh, and i've totally experienced that where you um it's like I can't deal with this right now because like I can't I don't have the capacity to like that has to go to one side because yeah x is more important right now and kind of whatever works best for you sort of thing isn't it like if that's something that is helping you cope and is part of your coping strategy then mm -hmm. great I mean for me I found that if I distract myself it's great and it's good for like in the moment in terms of letting the feelings pass but yeah. like this week i found that actually you know while i might be able to catch triggers early and therefore implement the coping strategies that i have sometimes distraction doesn't always work like i do have to just be present with it and yeah. acknowledge that i am actually feeling horrible right now and mm -hmm. if i want to cry i'm going to cry and if i'm going to you know exactly. and i think that really helps as well like just taking ownership of of it in the moment but it's definitely it's, definitely yeah it's hard yeah honestly one of the things that i keep saying to people like you know whenever like anyone talks to me is i'm like uh just feel whatever it is that you're feeling and then uh, well to, to be honest i told them like you know do not categorize it as good or bad just feel whatever that's it is it. feel it uh, yeah if it's it. crying as you said you know just cry if you need to break a glass just please do by all means you know like yeah. whatever it is just like whatever you know you go through that process Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, if it's something beyond that, and then like, you know, if you are going to think of, you know, like self-harm, maybe like, you know, like, then you have to seek help right away. Or like, you need to call someone that you can be vulnerable with, like someone that that's can it. come to your help. Okay. I mean, this is in a general, also in a general sense, this was the kind of coping up mechanism and then how we managed to survive and then how we managed to push every day of our life. But now we live in a very presented time, isn't it? <laughs> COVID-19. Oh, yes, COVID-19. Yeah. So like, um, how has that been with the coping up mechanism and strategy that you laid out for you for years? And cool. then now, how are you adjusting to that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, I probably didn't clarify. So I have um, depression, but also anxiety as well. And the two things in my personal experience do operate differently i find that when i do go through a depressed spell that i just basically everything does become numb i don't really have the energy for anything i'm very low i just want to sleep a lot um i withdraw quite a lot from people just yeah that's the kind of the side of it and then with the anxiety it's just complete overwhelm and just it, I, I feel it physically. I have panic attacks, and it's you know the other side of it. I'll be crying and actually feeling things. So it's, yeah, having the two is I deal with differently. But yeah, in terms of how I've had to adjust 
for COVID. Yeah, it's been good in terms of like my anxiety has calmed down weirdly. And I've been speaking to people about this, like, mm. and just trying to work out where like what that is. And I found that quite yeah. a lot of people I know that do have anxiety strangely pretty have been pretty calm <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you know kind of dealing with COVID itself yeah. and like my theory kind of behind that has been like well if your mind has kind of thought up the worst case scenarios and you've dealt with that for like however long the reality yeah. of a pandemic probably isn't yeah. that bad really like as in, <laughs> because it's, it's happening so your, yeah. your mind as an anxious person has already dealt with going mm. through you know yeah. The motions of things that are yeah that the worst fear that you have in life. the worst case scenario exactly yeah. so in that sense it's been okay but then um, because of the time have I've had at home which is you know I'm blessed to have it I'm furloughed so I'm still employed and but mm-hmm. it does mean that my productivity levels while they have gone up um, mm-hmm. my anxiety has started to creep in so that's kind of what mm-hmm. happened a bit this week is I mm-hmm. very overwhelmed with things mm-hmm. and felt very tearful and tired but in terms of like the coping strategies it's been more really to keep depression at bay where I've had to work extra hard because you can't go outside you know you can't go see friends you can't do all those things so you're like right I have to reframe that so Mm. I just go back to the things that as an I'm quite an introverted person anyway like I get my energy Mm. from being in my own company Mm. quite a lot and so it's different when the choice is taken away from you you know so it's yeah, just like, well i've had enough alone time i want that to spend time with you. oh but you can't you can't yeah, yeah, you exactly. have to kind of rework that um yeah. so yeah my kind of coping strategies in that sense haven't changed too much um i still i have a list in a diary that i work from so i list things by these are the things that make me happy um, mm-hmm. these are things that i need for self-care and, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. little things that i know kind of work for me as a reminder when i'm in the moment when you can't think of those things and it feels like worse that i can mm-hmm. just go back to and it's physically there um mm-hmm. so for me it would just be like i like to play my ukulele so that you know kind of makes me feel better i like to sing um mm-hmm. I like. I wish. I wish I. I wish I had asked you to bring a new ukulele <laughs> to play something for us. <laughs> no, nobody needs that. He's actually my Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I ended up doing, really, yesterday, because I'd reached that point of normally I can catch myself in the early signs mm. of things, but yeah, I had a very dark moment where i haven't had suicidal ideation for a long time but i felt myself reaching that place i was like right i just need to sit down and list everything like the reasons i have that i need to stay alive and so i started doing that list and then it ended up as my poetry brain is everything just started going into a certain form and i was like oh okay i'll just write a poem then <laughs> and so oh, i was like uh... a poem that was yeah reasons to be alive um, which is just basically okay. my list of like, if I come ever reach that point, I can come back and remind myself of this is what I need to keep going, and that this is just a moment in time, and this will also pass like everything else will. I mean, what is that saying? It's a storm. It's not here to stay. It will pass. I think that's the one thing that the constant thing that I tell myself is that every time, okay. every time there's a hardship, I'm like it will pass. 
in general they will pass because yeah. like through my own uh like mental health kind of battle what i've done was like i took up meditation as an option yeah so like one of the meditations that i used to practice was like well i think in english they call it mindfulness but like it's a bit different uh but like it's the same kind of an idea so like when you go to this um space where you do not have any communication with humankind like oh you don't talk to each other like oh, yes of course you make it with other people but like you're not talking verbally you're not doing gesture communications or anything you just like see yeah. breeze and then you know do that like for 10 days they call it silent meditation and then which is amazing because it will help me unpack because i'm not like you like i cannot write my feelings into words the only thing that i can do is like you not know, see my feelings in pictures yeah like, well, you're a filmmaker that totally makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it works so i think it kind of helps me you know, to stay in that lane well yeah. i mean like, <laughs> because like well it's good you know having those kind of you know coping mechanisms and then knowing what works for you um you know absolutely that dark moment yeah, yeah and yeah. maybe the next topic that we can touch about is like since um we are doing this podcast and then hijacking the platform <laughs> exactly hijacking anthony's platform because of idaho so maybe like oh, we can touch a tiny bit on you know what it means you know what it means today what it means to you how do you celebrate it uh, what are the things that you wanted to say for people within the message of idaho itself so yeah i mean idaho a bit now because um day against homophobia, biphobia and transphobia. So it's really a day where I feel we become, we should be coming together and being visible and proud of who we are and talking about the ups, the downs, just everything in between, really everything that is occurring. And it's a time where we need solidarity more than ever from our allies and people to be speaking up. So yeah, that's kind of how I see the day going on the 17th of May. I mean, we will be having a Pan-African event that we'll be celebrating over on Facebook. Oh, no. Everything's virtual now, not an actual gathering. But yeah, no, it's yeah. basically that really. It's talking about all these things, I think, respectability mm -hmm. is. And I think mental health, which is the week after Mental Health Awareness Week, I think yeah. it will kind of tie in really in terms of what mental health looks like for the LGBTQ plus community, both for us, you know, here out in the diaspora, but then also for people back at home and I think and in conversations like this, all these sort of yeah. things are great. Mm -hmm. I, well, so like maybe uh, before I go, we, we can relate this conversation to the activism that you do and that like, you know, how that affects mental health. But I will come back to that. Uh, yeah. Right before that, like, I just wanted to see, but how are things back home now? Because there are a lot of, you know, like, well, there's pastors, medical doctors coming to National Television of Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, using COVID as a gay disease or like you know it happens because of you know like yeah <laughs> so like i mean, i know it's insane i know it's something that we can you know we have to love i'm like i don't know what to do but like it's the bonkers really isn't it yeah, yeah and but... i'm sure like you know, that kind of have like a, a, a big strain on the community because now like what well, people have limited uh, movement option so like they have to be stuck with homophobic families homophobic family members and then I'm sure like more people would say things and then our culture is like you know passive aggressiveness and then this microaggressions are like you know, the things that we do anyway so they're not directly saying things to you but like you know, they're things they're making 
things uncomfortable for you to survive in that stage? It is just that is really tough, and you know my heart does go out to people that are having to during these times of self isolation, having mm. to live with families that are homophobic and not having the space to be able to to physically escape that is just really tough. And you know, I just want people to know that you are seen and you are deeply loved, and that you know there are platforms online if you can have access to just join in find your communities and connect with us and because there are people going you know you're not alone there are people yeah. going through that and just you know connect and talk to people and you know that's why it's so important having events like this and like for idaho bit but not just that mental health awareness week having you know this podcast like somebody out there you know listening to that 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 will mean something to people so it tough. is just it is really tough having to live with you know people that you probably wouldn't want to be with because they don't value your humanity and all i can say is that this too will pass and it's it won't this Amen. won't be yeah. forever it won't exactly. but in the meantime exactly. you know connect and know that you're loved yeah that's, that's true that's that's very true maybe that on the last point so i know you work as an advocate because we work together <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like okay let's see like like let's uh, tell people what is what it feels like to be the center of attention if there's anything that people wanted to say about lgbt being trolled out of the millions of Ethiopians, you know people coming to a handful of us to use our picture to you know to drag our name to mud and those kind of things and then also like, you know, the anxiety that gives you for the safety of your family mm. all those income passes i'm just like you know, like, like laying out this so that people understand you know like, well the topics that we yeah. wanted to discuss on but I, I just wanted to ask you specifically how does activism affect your mental health ah oh, it is mm -hmm. it's so ingrained with it and it's a big question we were i was talking about this um with my friend shelly and a few other people for lesbian visibility week which we had a couple of weeks back and we we're discussing about you know is activism good for your mental health and it is in one way and it isn't in another so in the ways that it is is that what i do my advocacy all of that is very much a part of me and so if i wasn't doing that that would be bad for my mental health as well so it's like that i having that purpose in the space to be visible, to advocate for our community, all of those things contribute positively to my yeah. mental health. But then you also have the flip side of that, which is because we're so visible and um, people have, like you said, taken our images and they put them online and it's made us more open to trolls or people having these perceptions of what they think we are because of where we mm -hmm. live, being in the West, all of these different things do give a lot of anxiety and you do you know people forget that you're human you're a human being first and foremost yeah. i think in those situations and it's not just because i mean like the, we're not monolithic as a community they're people who feel no. differently and so people you know we do want to be held obviously accountable and we're open for constructive criticism and all of that yeah. but then i think also within that people forget that we're human beings that we do make mistakes and mm. we do get somehow held up to this higher standard um, yeah. and that was quite a tough thing to 
maintained um, because it's like we said, we, we are human beings, we're all individuals going through things as well. So the cause itself, mm. the passion and, you know, what you care about, all of that can feed into the good, but then also the downside is that you're not seeing work, the progress being made as much as, mm. as quickly as you'd like or steps are going backwards and yeah. you know things like that that can be really disheartening and you know yeah. trying to get policy makers on side and you know thinking you're getting somewhere but not that constant tug that can also yeah. wear into you know mental health and feed into anxieties and stuff but mm. yeah ultimately i just think you have to just have boundaries in place really and protect mm. your space as much as you can and remember what we're doing it for so i think when we do see these hurtful comments whether that is from trolls or from people's perceptions, mis you know, misperceptions, yeah, really, misunderstandings of what they think we are, um, is rem going back to the core point of actually, I know who I am, I know what my values are, I don't need to justify myself, and I know so, that the people who care about me know who I am, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it's that saying, isn't it? It's like the people who mind. So people who matter won't mind, and those who mind won't matter, or something. Yeah, it comes back to that, there, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 it does. <laughs> and then also, I think at the same time, there's this. Uh, I don't even know how to explain. There's this thing like what we we've never said. Like for example, we've never said like no, we are a representative of the LGBT community. That's it. Exactly. So like, well, yeah. we've never seen that. Like, you can't say that because for you to be a representative, you need to be elected. You need to, you know, yeah. have an election campaign. So like, well, we, are we are not president of the queer community. Like, we're not that. <laughs> exactly. We are individuals who exactly. are just using our platform to do what we can, and everybody exactly. has that power to do that. Like, within exactly. you know, everyone that has the power to do that can do that sort of thing. But exactly. yeah, I think there is that extra layer of um, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, yeah, because I, well, sometimes they. Can I had to clarify to a lot of people. I'm like, no, we're not representing none of you. Like, we're doing this for us because you know we need to heal. Because also we need to claim space, and then we want to claim space, and then we only represent the organization that we work with because we put out an objective and a mission for that organization, and then we join them House of Kramaidi. So, if in fact, if you ask me who I represent, I represent the mission and objectives of House of Kramaidi. Yes, okay. if by extension, if by extension, that actually applies, and then you know did a massive justice to the whole movement of the queer in Ethiopia. Then fantastic, yeah. But if I bring it back down to basics, like I'm here representing myself and I'm here yeah. representing, you know, the organizational <laughs> values that I've joined with other individuals who also exactly. and then we hope that that work will go further out. But like that's exactly. the step to take. And I think people kind of go like, whoa, that's these guys, they represent the whole queer movement. We're like, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, exactly. So, like, well, they have, you know, like, well, expectations. Sometimes I understand, I do understand because yeah. like, they've never seen visible Ethiopian queer people. So, like, well, they're kind of excited, some of them. You know, they, what, what do they say? Like, well, we live vicariously through you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I love that. That's a really sweet thing to say. And, you know, yeah, that's yeah. where it's. You know, but it's a lot of pressure as well. So it's that kind of, it's it a balance, is isn't it? It's like, remember we're human beings, but we're also grateful that, you know, yeah. people do think that way. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think like, well, from a world, 
first and foremost, thank you for your time, thank you for coming, and thank you for sharing your experiences. If there's anything that you wanted to add uh, as the last message, like for you. Lovely. No, I just want to say thank you to Anthony for giving Fahi and I the space to have this conversation. It's really important that we keep the conversation going about mental health, um, especially within our black and queer communities, where I still feel that we have quite a way to go in terms of how we approach conversations around that. So, yeah, keep the conversation going is what I'd say. Um, yeah. Thank you, everyone, yeah. for listening. Yeah, perfect. And then, like, for me, probably, like, you know, as a closing remark, like, what I wanted to say is, like, you know, just, you know, like, recap what you said, Zali. Um, think of everyone as a human first. Forget the prefixes. See each other as a human. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Yes. Generally. Yes. It yeah, sounds very easy, is it? Be kind to one another. Like, generally, it's not that right. Just and be kind, kind you know. to yourself because that's where it all radiates outwards. Like know that you know whatever you're going through, just that be that person you are to your friend. If you, you know if you wouldn't say that to your friend, don't say that to yourself. Be kind, yeah, to yourself and be kind to others. Okay, so like as a closing message, me and you equally will say House of Gramaile in Amharic name, but together. Thank you, Anthony, for giving us this chance. This was amazing. Yeah, have a nice day, Leslie. Bye. Bye, Kondo. To find out more about what you have heard today, go to paddedcellpodcast.life. Follow the podcast on Twitter at paddedcell underscore pod, Instagram at paddedcell.pod, and follow the Facebook page Padded Cell Podcast. Join us again tomorrow as we break the silence on sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, and talk about mental health.